I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there or meet them at a trade show or even have a conference call so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them now at 514-488-3618 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. Today we got Matt Arnold with us. Matt's the president and CEO of the Marshall County, Alabama Economic Development Council, one of the most beautiful spots in Alabama. So, Matt, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Chad. It's good to see you again, brother. How you been? Yeah, I've been doing good as we can in these times, so good as we can. Yeah, we were supposed to do this in March, and Matt got rained out by the COVID, so uh, yeah. unfortunately, that's not the worst of our problems. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Matt, tell these folks about Marshall County. I know you got Lake Gunnersville, which is beautiful, and you're kind of up there close to Huntsville, so just tell them all about it. Well, we're kind of right in the middle of everything. You know, we're about 40 minutes from Huntsville, hour and 15 minutes from Birmingham, two and a half hours to Atlanta. So we're in a good market. Like I say, we're on Lake Gunnersville, which is a 69,000-acre impoundment from uh, the Tennessee Valley Authority created for us in 1939, I think. Outranked typically annually by um, Field and Stream and other magazines as one of the top five bass fishing lakes in the nation, or in North America, actually. And we had the Bassmaster Classic on Lake Gunnersville right before the COVID set in. We had that in early March, and we do pretty well, about a County of about 100,000 people, just shy of 100,000 people. Be interested to see what this year's census comes out looking at. I think we may go over the 100,000 mark, but we may not. I don't know. Right now they have this estimated at 97. And then we've got four main cities, and they're all about the same size. Three of the cities are about 9,000 people, and then one's about 22,000. Not one of them really dominates the geopolitical landscape like you have in most counties. And so it's really spread out, but they do a good job working together on projects. They've got some joint things they do together, but there's also things they do on their own. Like we have five school systems. So that's a challenge, you know, especially for us in workforce development. But Marshall County has been really great. We're extremely diverse in industrial. Poultry is our largest industry. We've got aerospace, we've got chemicals, we've got aviation. We've got a huge automotive sector being so close to the Honda plant in Lincoln, Alabama. I used to say, back when the space shuttles were flying, I used to say we make everything from chicken parts to space shuttle parts. 
Well, we don't make space shuttle parts anymore. Most of those guys have transitioned into defense and missiles, missile technology and stuff like that. You know, all the high-tech stuff that's going on in Huntsville. There's a lot of suppliers right. for that. Well, I know you've had some good announcements recently, so talk about your Color Masters expansion. We've got a homegrown company in Alberville, one of our cities. When I say in Alberville, they've actually got four facilities in the county now. Three of them are in Alberville and one of them's in Boaz. But they just announced an expansion. They're going to add about 150 to 200 jobs, which will put them at about probably about 650 and about $100 million in capital investment with this expansion. They did commercial printing for food packaging. So when you buy a bag of, you know, frozen peas in a grocery store, it's in a plastic package that's stamped with the logo and all the Mm -hmm. nutritional information and that kind of stuff. They did the printing on that packaging. Well, now they've gotten into making the film that the packaging is actually made out of. And so that's what's really expanded their business. Great, great company. I've been around for probably about 20 years, I guess. They've just really announced this. We actually worked this project during the quarantine, during the shutdown, which was a challenge. Yeah, I guess so. And so they've made that announcement after the- It's kind of been a soft announcement. They didn't do a formal groundbreaking or anything. Most of it's just, like I say, knocking out some walls and adding some new equipment. It's not major new buildings or anything like that. And talk about your Ace Aeronautics project, because I know it's paying $100,000 a year salary. So that's what we like to see. Ace Aeronautics is a great company, and a couple guys came from Dallas area, actually, and they had been in the defense industry for a while. They located at our airport in Gunnersville, and we had just completed a new runway on that airport to take us to 5,000 feet to make our runway jet capable. We had a small hobby airport with a 3,000-foot runway, but you couldn't land a jet on it or any major type aircraft on it, just little Cessnas and hobby planes and things like that. But we had just finished this new 5,000-foot runway, and they came to me back in 2016, or 15, I guess, when we started that project. And they're just now really wrapping that up. But what they do is they take helicopters, primarily UH-60s, the Blackhawks. They take those that are coming out of the U.S. military service. They refurbish them put all new electronics on them. A lot of times they're older, so they have some older equipment. But if they were in some specific function for the U.S. military where they had the best of the best on there, they take that off. (laughs) Actually, the military takes that off. And because we don't want even our foreign allies having the best of the best. So they'll put, you know, Garmin's latest off-the-shelf commercial stuff and put all those avionics in the helicopter and get it refurbed, and then they'll train pilots. They sell them to foreign militaries. They've got a huge contract with Austria right now. It's kind of fun. There's always two Austrian pilots in it at just about any time that are training on the new equipment, and they'll train here for about two weeks. One of the guys that's their test pilot, it's a good friend of mine, so he'll call me up and he'll say, Matt, I'm taking our two pilots over to the brewery. Come on, meet me about 5 o'clock. I'll be like, I'm there, man. (laughs) But they're great. They've got about 70 people out there. And they've probably packed in about $10 million in capital investment on that site. But those jobs, like you said, man, they average 100000 a year. And they've just been really, really good to us here in Gunnersville. i tell you, that's the thing about a lot of airspace jobs. You know, a lot of them pay a whole lot, even if they're not, you know, but 40 or 50. But for rural yeah. towns, those are great. And your proximity to Huntsville makes a lot of sense. And I know y'all got some great quality of life investments going in there with your harbor development and your amphitheater. So talk about what y'all are doing on that yeah. side. We have a harbor in Gunnersville, 
It's absolutely beautiful. Gunnersville is essentially a peninsula that sticks out into Lake Gunnersville. It almost kind of looks like the state of Florida. It really does. If you look at it on an aerial picture or a map, it looks almost like the state of Florida, and it just sticks out into Lake Gunnersville. And at the very tip of it, we have a harbor area. And there was a restaurant there years ago. It had been closed for 20-something years, and it had been torn down. And really, we weren't using that harbor for anything, really. People would go there and fish. That was about it. The city put some park benches and landscaped it and all, made it look nice. But there really wasn't anything we were using it for. It wasn't living up to its potential. So we've been looking for the right developer. As long as I've been here, they've been talking about doing this. And we had a guy who's a good friend of mine. I've known him for years. He's a developer out in Dallas, but he's from Gunnersville originally. And he still had a house here and would come back. He actually owns the building I'm in right now. My office is in a building. The old hospital building was built in the 20s that he refurbished. And it was an eyesore. And the city didn't have the money to tear it down. And he came in about 20-something years ago and refurbed it. And it's one of the nicer office buildings in the city now. So anyway, Patrick, his name's Patrick Lawler. He got to talking with me and some of the folks with the city and the mayor and the city council. And they came to an agreement. And he's developing a venue there that's going to house a couple restaurants and some Airbnb-type condos that you can rent, you know, on a short-term basis. And then also there's going to be a hotel there, a full hotel. That has not been announced. He's still working with a potential hotel developer on that. Oh, and another brewery. <laughs> we have a local brewery, Main Channel Brewery, but he's brought five Alabama breweries, local craft beer breweries, together and they're called Southern Brewers Cooperative and all five of them are going to brew in this one hmm. massive brewery that he's going to build on the site. So it's going to be a real catalyst for our downtown. Gunnersville has a pretty thriving downtown anyway. Since it's a peninsula and we're surrounded by a lake, there's nowhere to build a bypass for our major U.S. highway, which is 431. So the highway still goes through downtown. And you find a lot of little small towns that that becomes the end of their downtown mm -hmm. and the highway department decides to build a bypass. And there is never going to be a bypass in Gunnersville. If there was, it'd be a mighty expensive one to be built <laughs> over the lake. Yeah. So anyway, our downtown is really thriving. A lot of great shops and restaurants anyway. But this is just going to be a catalyst to bring more and more tourists to Gunnersville. And then in Alberville, which is right next door, I was just there last night for an event. It's the first major event that's been there. It should have owned already, but because of the quarantine, it had not. But they have built and still are building a $70 million sports complex and amphitheater. They will be able to bring in, I think it's got like nine softball and baseball fields, five soccer slash football fields, four basketball courts. That's where we were last night because they can convert the four basketball court area into banquet space and that's where we were at last night for a charity event they'll be bringing in travel ball and tournaments all kind of stuff and then they're also going to have a uh, 7500 seat amphitheater there and so that's good size yeah i was talking with their director last night and he was telling me he said you just wait man some of the bands we're talking about having next spring and next summer you've never seen in marshall county yeah <laughs> Well, and I tell you, that travel ball brings a lot of money with it. It I, sure I mean, does. So I'm far, not... that we've announced two new hotels in Alberville and a bunch I'm... of restaurants. 
I've known some places that had those big fields like that, and they said they pray for rain because then everybody just goes and shops all day because they can't yeah. play ball. They said they can see their sales tax numbers go up. <laughs> Literally, I think it has the potential to bring as much tourism to Marshall County as the lake does. And I've said that a lot, speaking to Rotary Clubs and local civic groups, and they look at me like I'm crazy. But I truly think that it does have the potential to bring a lot of tourists to Marshall County. Well, talk about some of the stuff y'all are doing with workforce development. I'm real impressed with your industry one-on-one, which gets teachers out of the classroom out into your manufacturing plants. I don't know if you want to give away all your secrets. People all of my know. secrets I've stolen from other people. Right. <laughs> Walk us through all the stuff y'all are doing in workforce development, especially that program. Yeah, okay. Workforce development, we've always kind of said we sit on a three-legged stool of recruitment, existing industry, and workforce development. But, I mean, as you know, I mean, you're in the business. You, you talk to economic developers all the time, and I hear this on your podcast all the time. Man, labor market is tight. We were at a 2% unemployment rate prior to COVID. 2%. And we jumped up to 11% in April. Boy, I tell you, I saw that number, and I got emotional. I was sitting on the couch at home in the quarantine. I pull up those numbers, and when that day they came out, and my wife, she goes, you okay? And I said, Yeah. I just saw the unemployment numbers. She said, what were they? And I said, 11%. Chad, I've never seen that in my career, in my career. And I've worked in a much smaller county than this 25 years ago. I've never seen that. But before all that, the labor market was so tight that we felt like workforce development was the most important aspect that we needed to focus on because we've got great industries here and a lot of them, but boy, they were hurting. And so they weren't able to expand the way they wanted to. And we frankly weren't able to recruit new companies very well either because they look at our 2% unemployment and say, I don't know about that. That's going to be a tough one. So we started doing some programs a few years ago. One of them, like you said, is Industry 101. It's something I copied from Tuscaloosa. Jim Page and those guys down there, man, they wrote the book on workforce development. What it is basically is we take all the teachers. Now remember, we got five school systems. So we take one system. We take all the teachers, counselors, and principals for the day. And this is usually in August. And I found out that superintendents are usually scrambling trying to figure out what programming they want to do for those days. So they're more than willing to do this. Hmm. And so what we do is we bring them all together in one location and we have a program for him. And Ed Castile, who is Alabama's Deputy Secretary of Commerce, and he's the workforce guru of Alabama, he comes up and speaks to him and talks about why career tech is important and why they need to be thinking about that and getting the kids thinking about that, even in elementary school. And he gives a really good program. And then they go get in yellow school buses, which I've always thought was really fun to see teachers riding in school buses. <laughs> And so we coordinate where they're going because they can't all tour one industry or two industries. Right. The, the industries can't accommodate, you know, 400 teachers. So we split them up to about 10 to 15 different companies and they go to two of them. They take two tours. They tour two different industries and then they come back. We feed them lunch and then they hear a panel, a discussion of plant managers, usually four wow. or five plant managers. And I usually get some that I know that are real colorful. Yeah, you can tell some, <laughs> tell some good tales. Chad, I've actually had a lady come up to me in Walmart and tell me 
because I moderate it. I'm kind of the MC of it and I welcome them and all that stuff. So she recognized me and she said, sir, you have revolutionized the way I teach. I teach third grade and I teach in a whole different way now because I've never been exposed to that because teachers, I mean, they, they go to college, they graduate, they start teaching. Mm-hmm. The lion's share of them never really have worked any type of job like that or been exposed to that. Mm-hmm. And so it gives them a whole different perspective when they see that. And I think uh, that is a great program. We love it. We love it. Actually, we would have done it last week had it not been for the COVID. We were doing the city of Albertville because the plan is to do each school system every year. And then so in five years, we start over and do them again because they got new teachers, teachers have retired. The plan is to do that. And we were two in, we were two years into this program. And last week would have been the week that they would have started. Well, actually, no, they started last week, but had it not been for COVID, they would have started second week of August. So it would have been a few weeks ago, but we would have done that. So reschedule it. We'll do them next year. Some of the systems do a day in January or February, I think President's Day. So we may try to get one in then. We've had great success with that program. There's a lot of other workforce development programs going on. Marshall Technical School is our county vocational school. And of course, they've got everything from welding, construction, automotive technology, collision repair. I've actually used their collision repair program to get a bunch of dents in my truck fixed. (laughs) It must be handy. It's great. (laughs) They charge you, they charge you cost plus. Yeah. Cost was like 20%. And, uh, and it took him a while. I happened to have a spare car I could use. So, but it took him like six weeks, but I had got an estimate from the dealer. It was going to be like 1400 bucks. And they did it for like two fifty. <laughs> <laughs> That's worth an extra week or two. It was. They've got other stuff like robotics, electronics, medical. It's a really well-rounded program. And of course, they do a lot of stuff in conjunction with our community college, Sneed State. And of course, Sneed has a lot of great programs. They've got a new acting president who I think is doing an amazing job, Joe Whitmore. He has really taken the bull by the horns and is really ingrained in getting a lot of career tech programs beefed up. I know they've already got stuff like industrial maintenance and cybersecurity and welding and electronics, but they're going to take it a step further. They're talking about machine programs. The state has got a uh, $600 million bond issue right now. They're going through a process that will go to, portion of that will go to the two-year colleges for capital improvements. And so they're looking at spreading that out among the community colleges around the state. And hopefully we're going to get some of that money and have a nice one-stop shop for all these programs. Another one we do is Junior Achievement. That's an old CAN program. It's been around for a long time, but it pays results. We do an eighth grade program. Basically the goal of that is to provide financial literacy and promote entrepreneurship. A lot of these kids have never had the inkling or been exposed to someone that was an entrepreneur and had the desire to start a business. We've got to raise some money, but we want to follow it up with a fourth grade program that even backs it up a little further and kind of gets them thinking about those kind of lines. But we got to raise some money for that. To do every eighth grade class in the county runs us about 28000 a year. And so we need to raise some more money if we're going to add fourth grade and do that. But we feel like all these programs are important. A lot of it's had to be curtailed right now because of COVID. And that's unfortunate, but 
You know, I was telling my board not too long ago, we're just on hold. We're not mm-hmm. stopping this. We can't stop this. We're too far in. We've had too much success. We need to continue this, but we just got to be safe about it and uh, do it as we can. Thank you, Matt. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. We'll be right back with a lot more with Matt Arnold right after this. I want to thank Location One. Some folks know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. Location One has, in my opinion, the best building and sites database in the economic development industry. I am often asked by economic developers, Chad, if you were an economic developer again, what would be the first thing you'd do? And it is without question, without question, first thing I'd do would be put my builders and sites on Lois. And let me tell you why that would be. Number one, I always did economic development in small to mid-sized towns, and one of our struggles was just getting eyeballs on our property. That was our struggle. Lois overcomes that struggle for you. So the mistake I used to make is I would just put my buildings and sites on the state economic development database. Well... Every time I did economic development, I was close to a border. So I was basically bordered another state. And anybody looking for buildings just across the way in the other state wouldn't find my buildings because I only had it on my state economic development website. I couldn't have made a dumber move looking back, but hey, it's what I did. When you advertise your buildings and sites on Lois, it goes to a nationwide database. So prospects looking for a certain site or certain building in the whole country can find you based on the parameters they put in. If they're looking at a radius, they're probably going to find you if they're looking in the state next door if your building or site is on Lois. It's also the most responsive friendly I have seen. So I love looking at buildings and sites on my iPad. I much rather look on my iPad when we're doing site selection work in the field than on my computer. Computer. And I have found Lois is basically the only big buildings and sites database I've found that works well on my iPad. A lot of the other ones, they just don't work as well. They tear the thing down. They don't remember your, your search query. If you put in 50,000 feet and you back it out, it forgets it. They're just hard to deal with. Lois is not. It's easy to use. It's just as easy for economic developers as it is site selectors. It walks you through inserting your information. So it tells you, place your gas line information here. Place your water line information here so you don't have to guess. You don't have to know code to make this thing work. But most importantly, once you push save, once you enter your information, it's going to go in a nationwide database, which is going to get a ton, a ton of eyeballs on your builders and sites. Way more than you'd get on them on your own if you just put it on your website or advertise it on the state economic development website. It also inputs ESRI data for radiuses of your buildings and sites. So a prospect's not just looking at a building or site when they find your information. They can actually see information about your labor force. You don't even have to put it in there. It does it for you automatically. This is the best buildings and sites database I have found. I encourage you to go to location1.com, sign up for a demo, see how this thing works. Transition to location one. You'll be real happy you did. Well, as an entrepreneur, I think that's a great idea. Get to them young, exposed yep. to Because a lot of people in rural town, I was never exposed to entrepreneurship at all. Yep. My parents worked for county government and was a construction worker. My dad was. So I never had any. It was foreign to me. <laughs> and yep. I stumbled into it and ended up figuring out this is what I'm meant to do. But, you know, I just was never exposed to it at that young age. So I think that's a great idea. Well, let's talk a little bit about COVID. I know initially y'all were a hot spot and now you're considered green. So talk about the first hit you took and then what y'all did to get it under control. Well, we were a hot spot. Yeah. You know, I had people calling me. I was on a Zoom call with 
economic developers from all over North Alabama who were all just chatting, just NADA, North Alabama Industrial Development, wanted to just have a, just a chat to get everybody together and talk. When it came to me, I said, yeah, I'm coming to you from the hot spot that is Marshall County. So I, I've not left the house, you know, which is not true. I mean, but <laughs> we were technically considered a hot spot. And a lot of it had to do with our poultry industry. And just to be politically correct, this is the way an HR manager, a poultry HR manager said it. The demographics of the workforce of poultry doesn't tend to lend itself well to social distancing. They had had to do a lot of things. The companies had had to do measures. Like, for instance, normally the employees would always go and hang out in the parking lot after their shift and sit around somebody's truck and talk, and they can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And they would have to send security out there and break up those get-togethers. A lot of that was what was leading to our being a hot spot. And once we had a couple of Zoom calls with all of our poultry contacts, our EMA director, to try to lay out how do we communicate this to the masses, you know, your employees, that we need to take this serious. And if y'all want this plant to stay open and you to have a job, you need to take it serious and not just serious in the plant because they were serious in the plant. Right. They had the dividers. They had all the PPE. One plant manager was saying they had a whole crew of about a half a dozen people that all they did all day long was walk around the plant and spray down anything that somebody might touch, a doorknob, toilet flush, anything that somebody might touch, they would spray down hourly. And so in the plant, they were safe. It's when they got out of the plant. So that's kind of what led to us being a hotspot. We kind of got that under control. And like I was saying a minute ago, the unemployment rate, we were 11% for April. It was funny. I told my board at our May board meeting, I said, that's really high, but you got to consider all the restaurants were closed, you know, all these places that were closed. That all plays into it. Plus the fact that, you know, they could draw unemployment, you know, and that extra unemployment. My son, who's 17 years old, was working at a trampoline park. The owner basically showed all the teenagers, it was all teenagers that worked for him. He showed all the teenagers how to apply for unemployment. He was pulling down $600 a week. I said, <laughs> man, if you extrapolate that, post taxes, that's like 50000 a year. Yeah, yeah. Well, did y'all sales tax go up? Because we did that search for Lake Martin, Alabama. We did their executive search, and they told us their sales tax revenue actually hit went up because all the people in Montgomery and Birmingham vacationed in Lake Martin. So I just wonder if that happened for y'all. Our sales taxes for July broke the record that they broke last July. Yeah, it's, it's unreal. It makes sense, you know. People normally working, having to go to the office every day in Birmingham. Now, if they can work from home, would they rather work at the lake or in Birmingham? I bought a new boat in mid-April. I had sold my old pontoon boat in December, and I was buying a new ski boat. I bought it in April. I finally had enough. I'm like, honey, we got to get out of the lake. I'm tired of this. Mm -hmm. And so we bought this boat, and I got to noticing there was more boats out on Lake Gunnersville than I think I've ever seen, and it's been that way all summer. The Fourth of July was crazy. But anyway, it was 11% for April. And I told my board, I thought, I said, I think it's going to go down between six and seven, probably. I think that's what it'll be for May. So sure enough, our third week of June, it comes out for May. It was 6.7. Then the next month, I thought June would be probably between five and six. And it came out to be 5.3. And so I was talking to my newspaper editor because they always called me they always call me and ask me what I think about, you know, the unemployment rate and what is it saying about the health of our economy. And I told him I had hit those two months just dead on. He goes, you ought to take that to Vegas. <laughs> he actually wrote that in the newspaper. Yeah. But then but he asked me, 
what do you think it's going to be for July? And I said, I think it's going to be flat. I think we're going to stay around five, five and a half for a little while until this pandemic really is over. And I said, the unemployment, extended unemployment benefits at the end of July. I don't know how that's going to play out. I said, but I think for July, we're going to be flat. We were 5.3 again in July. <laughs> so he wrote again in the newspaper. Did he you a plane ticket? Yeah, he, he wrote again in the newspaper. Matt Arnold needs to go to Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, thank you, Matt. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. We'll be right back with a lot more with Matt Arnold right after this. On June 4th, Next Move Group launched a new initiative called The Movement, which is really designed to do three different things. One, help economic developers improve their quality of lives by making more money. Two, helping economic development organizations land more deals. And three, by helping economic development organizations recruit jobs back home from China. You have probably seen emails of various different video courses that were sending out as part of the movement. And I'll tell you, so far, the two most popular courses have been these. One, board training for economic development board members and elected officials. What are their proper roles and responsibilities? And more importantly, what their roles and responsibilities are not. And our other bestseller so far has been how to help small to mid-sized rural communities build a systemic machine-like program to land manufacturing plants, where they don't just land one manufacturing plant, but where they land many manufacturing plants. We are selling these just one right after the next. So one, thank you. We have actually sold about 300% more memberships and revenue than we anticipated we would sell at this point in time. So thank you to all of our members. If you've not joined the movement, go to thenextmovegroup.com backslash movement to learn more about it. Thenextmovegroup.com backslash movement. You can either join on a monthly basis and receive all our content at once or you can just buy one piece of content at a time that's the next move backslash movement well let's transition now a little bit into your story so we always like to ask our guests kind of how they fell into this field so take us back to how you learned about economic development you know a lot of folks say i've never heard of an economic developer before i became one but i actually had heard of one I had a fraternity brother in college. I was a freshman. He was a senior. He graduated. He didn't get into law school to Alabama the first year out of college. So he started working. He was from Scottsboro, which is a neighboring county to us. He started working with the Economic Development Office in Scottsboro. And he actually worked for a good friend of mine. I didn't know at the time, obviously, but Tucson Roberts was who he worked for. And he would come back to Montevallo, where I went to school, because he was dating a girl that was my age. She started as a freshman with me. And so he would come back and I would see him and he'd hang around on the weekends. And he was telling us about this job. He was in the office just doing research. That's all he did. He was kind of the number three person in the office. And that's all he did was research. And he was really just doing this until he got into law school. He said, man, you wouldn't believe this job. This job is amazing. My boss, he gets to travel and he meets with all these great companies. It's a really neat field. If I don't get into law school, I may just stick with this. Hmm. And it's funny because there was another guy in that same fraternity, and God rest his soul, Woody Heydrich, was one of my fraternity brothers. And he and Chip were actually really good friends. And he would tell us that. Of course, Woody and I started into economic development at the same time. Of course, we lost Woody this, this past, I guess, December, January. Hmm. So I had heard about it. And then, I don't know, a couple years after I graduated, I was working in sales for a software company and. I heard about a job opening through a family connection in a small community in Alabama, in Bibb County. I said, well, you know, 
I know how much Chip liked that position and that profession. And I researched, actually called him. He was out of law school and was an attorney by then. And I called him and, and asked him about it. And he said, oh, you got to do it. Go for it, Matt. Go for it. And so I did. And of course, I was in a small town. I didn't have a lot of great success there. I mean, it's kind of hard to have great success in some of these small towns, rural towns. You know, some are different, but there was a lot of things working against us in that community at the time. But they've rebounded and they're actually doing pretty well now. But it got me into the field. And from that, I grew and I learned and I made the connections because so much of economic development, as you know, is simply networking, relationships, and the relationships you build, and how you build on your network. And so that job got me into the network. And so actually, it's funny, I came up to Gunnersville to interview for a chamber position because I was also the chamber director. I was a chamber director and economic developer for Bibb County. And I came up to Gunnersville just to interview. I knew the girl who was going after the job. She was a local, she was home hometown girl, I knew she would get that job. And I didn't care. I just wanted my name out there mm. that I was ready. You know, I was looking. And I stopped by the economic development office on the way out just to visit my friend, Mike Harvey. And he said, I didn't realize you were looking for a job. And he goes, you're right. You won't get that job. She'll get that job. I said, that's fine. I said, I just want my name out there. And he said, I'm looking for somebody. Mm. And that's how it happened. That's how I got here. He hired me as vice president, and he told me when he hired me, he didn't plan on being here much longer. He wanted to move on to a bigger market, and he was here a year and a half, and then they actually didn't do a search. They hired me to replace him in 2001, so I've been here ever since. Well, he's a fine one to train under. I mean, He's a good guy. Oh, Mike yeah, and I is he still in northwest Arkansas? He is. I talked yeah. to him last year. It's been about a year since I talked to him again, but he's yeah. a good guy. I hadn't talked to him probably since – COVID hit. So you're one of probably only about 5% of people who wanted to be an economic developer. <laughs> probably so. Looked into it. Well, Matt, as we wind down, is there anything you want to share with our audience I might not have asked you? You know, I think, like I say, we live in a great place and we've got a lot of FDI. We've got companies from all over the world here. But I tell you, I really particularly love working with the Japanese companies. I was supposed to be going to Japan in October for Seuss Japan. I've got three companies. We're going to visit all three of them. So that got canceled, but we're doing real well here. We just got to get through this tough little time here. Of course, the election's not helping anything <laughs> and all the distrust and distress that's going on there. But, you know, sometimes we seem like we're a little isolated from that, but not really. You got to be cautious and be vigilant. But I appreciate you doing these. I've been listening to them probably since you started them. I really enjoy them. Like I was telling you a minute ago, I, your episode with Joe Max was a good one. <laughs> he's, always, he's always a good laugh. You should have heard what he said when I cut the camera off. So. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, Matt, give these folks your website in case they want to learn more about Marshall County, and uh, we'll link it with yeah. our email, too. Our website for Marshall County Economic Development Council is www.marshallteam.org. I'm part of a larger group that runs an organization called My Lake Gunnersville, and that is mylakegunnersville.org as well. It's a conservation group where we work to – Keep Lake Gunnersville wonderful. And a lot of that involves aquatic plant management and prevention of invasive species like Asian carp and things like that. And we don't really get to get into that, but that's been a whole a great campaign we've been working on for the last year. All right. Well, Matt, thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. All right, Chad. Well, you have a great day.